Hey there, I'm Richard Byrne, and welcome to episode number 14, or is it 14? Episode number 14 of the Practical EdTech Podcast. Now, if you are watching the video version of this, you're looking at my eye, no, I haven't been crying. I've had a little sty or a little infection in my bottom eyelid, and uh, that's why I look this way. So anyway, uh, that fun personal note, let's jump into today's podcast and some news and notes from the world of EdTech, some cool things that have happened in the last week. So first of all, there is a cool new Google Slides add-on called Slido, or Slido, I'm not sure, S-L-I-D-O, and it's really neat capability is that you can create and manage polls inside of your Google Slides. Now there are other tools out there that do the same thing. What's really great about this is that all the poll results appear on a slide without you having to toggle back and forth between presentation mode and edit mode. You have to toggle between any kind of uh, external website. You can stay right in your Google Slides and all the polling results just populate right there. Uh, much better than Google Slides built-in Q&A feature, which requires you to pop up a different window and back and forth. So check that out. It's a really cool little tool. You can manage all your polls right from within your Google Slides. So give that a try. It's called Slido. You'll find it where you find the rest of Google Slides add-ons. Speaking of Google, Google had a big hardware event this week where they unveiled the new version of the Pixel phone, Pixel 4, uh, new earbuds, new Pixelbook slash Chromebook. Uh, and of all of that, probably the coolest feature for me, or well, what I think is the coolest feature in all of that, is that you now have a capability with Pixel 4 and soon on other Android devices for real-time transcription uh, of any audio or video that you, or any video that contains audio, uh, has a real-time transcription tool. So that's kind of neat. It's available for Pixel 4 right now. Uh, Google says it'll be available for Pixel 3 soon, and they're working with other uh, manufacturers to make it available on other Android phones. Uh, speaking of Google news, there is uh, another little Google update. Now, I promise this is the last Google thing I'll talk about today. Uh, well, last Google update I'll give you for the day. You can now customize the text size and position of captions in your Google Slides. Uh, about this time last year, Google introduced a real-time captioning tool for Google Slides presentations. When you're in the full screen mode for Google Slides, you can use the real-time captioning tool and it will automatically caption it. This little update lets you position those captions and choose the size of those captions. So that's great. All right, uh, on my blog this week, I shared a couple of neat little resources for social studies teachers or geography teachers. I guess geography falls in the social studies category. Uh, the first one is from the National Park Service. I've shared this in the past and I was prompted to share it again on Sunday after driving through Mount Hood National Forest on Saturday. Uh, the National Park Service Media Gallery has more than 100,000 pictures that you can download for free. Most of them are in the public domain. Uh, if they're not in the public domain, they're a Creative Commons license. Uh, 
you pick a national park or a national forest, you will find a picture for it. They also have a lot of videos, thousands of videos that are also in the public domain. You can download again about various national parks and national forests and national park service activities. So I just mentioned Mount Hood. The reason I was out near Mount Hood is that I spoke at the Oregon Shape or Oregon Shape Conference, which is a phys ed and health education conference. Spoke there last Saturday, had a great time, beautiful drive from Portland down to Bend and back up to Portland again, uh, which is why I ended up going through Mount Hood National Forest. While I was there, uh, I learned about a fun new game, or new-to-me game, uh, called Paddle Zlam. Paddle Zlam, like slam, but with a Z. Paddle Zlam. Uh, what it is, is basically, it's a four-player game. You play with pickleball paddles, these wooden paddles, and a pickleball ball, or a tennis ball. I guess you can play with a tennis ball, too. And the idea is that you pass the ball to your teammate. Your teammate then sets you up, and you're supposed to slam it down through this big cone. And you get points for getting it through the cone, or points for knocking it off of the cone. It's a fun game. Uh, great game to play outside their kids, or I guess playing play the gym. So, fun little game. Uh, check it out. Paddle Slam. You'll find it at paddleslam.com. Uh, I'll bring it up on the screen for those of you watching the video. Uh, so, paddleslam.com is the name of the tool. You can get it on Amazon. You can go to their website. You'll you'll find it kicking around in one of those places. So, uh, some other little updates and neat things. I teased last week, there's Paddle's Land. Uh, I teased last week that I'm going to have Mike Tolson from Microsoft on the podcast, and we're actually going to record the podcast on Tuesday, uh, talking about some of the many accessibility features that Microsoft offers, uh, particularly Immersive Reader which is expanding all the time and is now available in Nearpod. And speaking of Mike, he published this week a comprehensive slide presentation all about increasing accessibility through the use of Microsoft's various products. You can find that presentation at bit.ly.com slash INCMSFT. So bit.ly.com slash Inc. MSFT, Inc. Microsoft, basically. Uh, and it's, uh, I think, 130 slides. He has 100, 108 slides are in there. So it's a lot to cover in there. I've seen Mike give that presentation in the past. It's a great presentation. So if you're interested at all in accessibility features that Microsoft offers, or even just, not even if you're a Microsoft user, just interested in some accessibility ideas, great presentation to look through. Uh, Eric Kurtz, who I also mentioned on last week's podcast, has a great little Google Doc template for creating Halloween rebus stories. Basically, stories that combine text and uh, emojis or text and little uh, drawings okay, for creating Halloween stories. He has a great Google Docs template all about that. You'll find it at controlaltachieve.com. That's his blog, controlaltachieve.com. And you can go and check out the Halloween Rebus stories with emojis and Google Docs. He published it last year, but it's still very relevant for this year. Halloween hasn't changed that much since last year. 
don't think it's changed at all, actually. All right. And the last little news and notes update I want to share with you. I stumbled across this morning when I was shopping for new shoes. That's what I do when I get up at 5 a.m. before my daughters get up. Uh, shopping for a new pair of shoes for school. New school shoes for me. Yay. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, at, while I was doing that, I discovered that Zappos and Moose Jaw, the two retailers I was shopping on, Zappos and Moose Jaw both offer 10% discounts to teachers. The Zappos discount is really easy to get. All you have to do is provide your school-issued email address, and you'll get 10% off whatever you order. So that saved me uh, $13 this morning when I, so, uh, when I was buying my new school shoes. And uh, Moose Jaw offers the same discount. Uh, Moose Jaw, by the way, if you're not familiar with it, offers shoes and clothes, but really does a lot of outdoor goods. Uh, you know, so if you're looking for ski jackets, ski stuff, that, that sort of thing, or hiking clothes or you know, outdoor apparel, uh, yeah, Moose Jaw is a good place. Now, Moose Jaw's discount's a little trickier to get because they use a service that's called ID.me that will request uh, not only your school-issued email address, but you also have to sync up your either your teaching license or some other credentials that prove that you're actually a teacher. I don't blame them for doing that. I'm just a little bit nervous about giving up too much information to an on online retailer just to get a 10% discount. That's just me. So, but the Zappos one was quick and easy to get, and I got it this morning. It saved me $13. So speaking of my new school shoes and my new school job, uh, some reflections from this week in my computer science classroom. It was a short week for us. We didn't have school on Monday because it was Indigenous Peoples Day here in Maine. That's what we now call Columbus Day, uh, officially. Uh, this year we now call it Indigenous Peoples Day. And so we had the day off on Monday, so it was a short week. And it was even shorter because on Wednesday we had mandatory PSAT testing which was pretty much a pain in the butt for everyone involved in it. Uh, <laughs> because it basically uh, threw off the whole day uh, and that we, I actually didn't see any of my students that day. I didn't see any of my own students that day. I had some other students, but I didn't see any of my own students that day. And that seems to be par for the course right now. Um, so <laughs> some other thoughts and reflections from computer science, my computer science job this week. Uh, it turns out when you teach computer science, some people think that you're the person they should take all their broken computers and print printers to. Uh, That's not the case. We actually have an IT department that handles that stuff, that handles maintenance of staff equipment. Uh, so I came in one day to find a couple of random monitors and uh, computers in my room that I hadn't put there. Someone left a note and said, can you help us with this? Eh, take it down to IT. Uh, <laughs> so uh, along those notes, and this is just something I, I kind of thought about today and a little bit yesterday as well. Uh, I've got kids working in groups right now uh, in part because of what we're doing. Uh, I find that it's better for them to problem solve together rather than being all alone. So my, my sophomore my sophomore group is a computer repair class, and my freshman group is a 
more of a programming class. And then my juniors and seniors are doing uh, some sumo bots work right now. So they're doing some programming around that. Uh, and I've found that with all these groups that I've got some kids who want to work by themselves all the time because they don't want to put up with their classmates. And then I've got others who always want to work with other people because they don't want to do any do as much work or take the risks. So I'm finding that I, you know, and this is a same, this is not unique to computer science. This is this was true with social studies when I taught that as well. You know, some kids just need a a push to be in the group, and others need to be broken off from the group at times. Uh, speaking of groups, my my third year students are progressing very quickly. They're very very knowledgeable. And I've decided it's time to sit down with them and kind of create a group goal for all of them. Uh, now, I only have three in my third year class, so it's a little bit easier to sit down and come up, come up with a big group goal for the rest of the semester. But that's what I'm doing. And last but not least, kind of a fun little side note. Um, I discovered this afternoon, and I tweeted this out just uh, maybe an hour ago, that I've officially entered the dad rock phase of my life. <laughs> I played Smashing Pumpkins. My my uh, sophomores were working on some computer repair. They were reassembling some computers. And I just put on a playlist that I had on my phone, which included Smashing Pumpkins today. Uh, and a couple of my kids said, my dad listens to this. And I asked, how old's your dad? And a couple of the, the two that answered told me that their dads are younger than me. So, yeah. So there's that. All right. Now, let's get into questions from readers, listeners, and viewers like you. This one came from, the first one came from Roberta, who wrote, Dear Richard, I hope this email finds you well. I wanted to ask what app you would suggest instead of cardboard on Android to take 360-degree photos for virtual reality. Thanks and best regards, Roberta. So the tool that I use for this on Android is Google's Street View app. Now this is different than the Google Maps app. This is a Google Street View app for Android. Includes a capability for capturing 360 photographs. Uh, it will stitch together all, uh, point you in the right direction of where to take pictures and it will stitch them all together automatically for you. On my YouTube channel, I have a video about how to do that. Uh, in fact, I'll bring that up right now. Uh, for those of you who are watching the Watching the recording of this, uh, watching the video recording of this, I should say, I'll bring that up on how to make a 360 video. And for those of you who are listening to the podcast, I'll put the link in the show notes and you can go back and find it when you want. Uh, so. And I'll bring that right up there. Uh, there it is. How to create virtual reality panoramas. I have it right there. And you can find that right on my YouTube channel on how to use your phone to make virtual reality imagery, capture virtual reality imagery. All right. All right. Uh, another question that came in. Uh, hey again, Richard. I, this is from Eli or Ellie. Sorry. Uh, I, hi again, Richard. I have a question for you. Is there an easy way to use Cast for Education that will allow a teacher to cast his or her screen to students? It seems that I only see Cast demonstrated as student casting to teacher. Could a teacher cast to a class of students that have been set up in classroom, or would she 
he, she have to enter each student's email address to share. I hope this makes sense. Yeah, so you would. You'd have, you'd have to enter in students' email addresses. You could try using a mailing list. I haven't personally tried using a mailing list for this. I'm not sure if it would work or not. I don't think it would because uh, you're really trying to cast from one screen to another. Not, not, you're not broadcasting, if you will. So I don't think it would work with the mailing list. But again, I haven't tried it either. But I don't think it would work with the mailing list because it's supposed to. It's designed to be a one-to-one -one, uh, casting, not a broadcast, but a one-to-one -one casting. Okay, uh, I've got a question here from Mark who wrote, "Hi, big fan. I love to bike too. I have a question about reading PDFs aloud, basically text to speech. I'm looking for the easiest way for my students. Thank you, Mark." So I, have two, I had two options for Mark that I wrote back with. First option was to open the PDF using Microsoft Edge and use the immersive reader tool that's built into Microsoft Edge. And that's probably my first way to go about it. The other option if you're use, is to use uh, Announceify. Announceify is a tool that I've used many times in the past. My only complaint about Announceify is that Announceify isn't intelligent enough to distinguish what should be read aloud and what shouldn't be read aloud. Uh, for example, Announceify will read things like uh, if there's a copyright notice on the bottom of it, it will read that aloud. Like you know, stuff that's not necessarily inherently important part of the document, it'll read everything. If basically, if there's a piece of text on the page, it's going to read it. Immersive Reader is a little bit more intelligent than that, uh, in that it doesn't read that sort of thing. Uh, all right. A question that came from James, who wrote, Hey, Richard, now that you're podcasting, I have a question for you about that. What are you using to produce a podcast? I know you're using Anchor for hosting, but what about the rest of it? Cheers, James. Uh, so, yes, I'm using Anchor to do all the hosting and all the distribution, which is great. And I would recommend if you're trying to create a podcast of your own or a podcast for your classroom, I would recommend Anchor for distribution as well because it saves you the step of having to deal with creating the RSS feed and then distributing the RSS feed to all the various platforms that you might want to put your podcast on. It saves a lot of work that way. It's probably not the most professional way to do it, but it's easy. It's so easy. Now, as for the rest of it, what am I doing? If you're watching the video of this, that's what I'm doing. I'm just, all I'm doing is recording a video of myself talking and answering these questions. And as you can see, I'm you know, sharing the Google Doc while I do it. Record the video. And then I take the video file and I'm putting it into GarageBand. And in GarageBand, I'm then stripping out the video so I just have an audio file. And then taking that and turning it into an MP3 file and uploading it to Anchor.fm. Anchor.fm does have some built-in transition tools that you can throw in uh, little transition sounds at the beginning and end of the segment or the beginning and end of the broadcast. The other thing about Anchor that's nice is that you could, if you wanted to, uh, upload two or three different MP3 files and put them all together as one final podcast episode and then just have them play back to back to back. So you can do that. Uh, but yeah, that's all I'm doing. I'm just recording this video and then 
dumping it into GarageBand. In GarageBand, just go to the file menu and select movie, import the movie, and then use the uh, option key while dragging the movie from one track line to another, and you, that will strip out the audio. Then just publish that as a new MP3 file. And that's it. That's how I'm doing it. Kind of easy peasy. That's really all I'm doing with it. And I did make a video about that, actually. I made a video about that a couple weeks ago. So check that out. Uh, it's, again, on my YouTube channel. And finally, the last question I have in advance for the day came from Anne, who wrote, and it's kind of a long one, so bear with me. Uh, Anne wrote, love all your Google tips. I'm hoping you can help me out with another one. I have a teacher who wants to create a system for organizing a classroom reference catalog that has a mix of digital and physical materials. I told her that, I told her that could be done with Google Sites or Weebly, but she wants to include a component for students to check out the physical materials so that she can keep track of them. I've looked at a few online cataloging systems, but they all seem to be geared toward large libraries, not individual users. Do you have anything that I can suggest to her? Thanks, Anne. So, uh, if I'm understanding Anne correctly, she wants to be able to put the, you know, like a list of the books that are in the classroom library, like the classroom bookshelves, along with, you know, other physical reference, uh, along with digital reference things. So, like a mix of links and a mix of, here's a book that's available in our classroom. That's what I think. Uh, for the checkout system, if you're a good... I'm guessing from the from your note about Google Sites, if you're a Google school, a G Suite for Education school, I would use a Google form and the add-on called Check It Out. There's an add-on called Check It Out. That will allow the teacher to create a list of all the items that students can check out. And it will also then automatically populate a component for students to check the items back in after they've checked them out. So it's a Google form. When a student wants to borrow, let's say, a copy of uh, you know, Hatchet from the classroom or whatever book, you know, pick your book, wants to borrow a copy, they go to the Google form that's in that website. They can say, from that list of items available, I'm checking out Hatchet. That item will then automatically be removed from the list of items that can be checked out and will be added to the list of items that can be checked in. When the student returns the book, he or she goes back to that Google form and clicks return, and that item will then go back up into the list of things that can be checked out again. Now, the flaw, the flaw with that system is that a student could lie and check something back in that they haven't actually returned. So you're gonna wanna, you know, you know put your students on their honor or you know, actually physically verify when they go to do the check-in. That's kind of the, the flaw with that system. The upside is that there is a timestamp in it. Because it's a Google form, it's automatically timestamped of when the student has checked it out and when it's been checked back, in, checked back in, and it will all appear in a Google spreadsheet. So, to wrap up today's episode, speaking of Google, this week, yesterday, Thursday afternoon, I did a webinar all about Google Earth and Google Maps and how you can use them in your classroom besides just social studies activities. If you missed the webinar, 
Uh, it's available now on demand at practicaledtech.com slash on-demand-pd, or just go to practicaledtech.com and click on the on, the on-demand PD. You'll see all the on-demand PD options there. Um, and after that webinar yesterday, I got an idea about how to structure the webinars a little bit differently in the future based on some feedback that I got. And I think it's gonna be really exciting. So look for that uh, in the near future. Uh, so that's that. Thanks for listening. Uh, this week, this up next, next coming week, I'm sitting down again with Mike Tolson from Microsoft to talk about immersive reader and a whole bunch of other accessibility things. I think it's gonna be a, a fun, exciting podcast. Uh, I've talked with Mike many times over the last couple of years. It's always a, an enjoyable conversation and I think you're going to enjoy it too. So see you online sometime soon. As always, if you have a question for me, just send me an email. Richard at burn.media is my email address. Have a great weekend.